right, all right, all right. Day 173. Welcome back to Windows and Mirrors Podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast uh, where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. I am super excited today because we begin one of the most important books in the Bible, right? Today, we begin the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah. This is one of the most important books in scripture and it has been called and deemed especially by the early church um it has been called the fifth gospel the fifth gospel the fifth the fifth gospel why because in the book of isaiah uh, the the book of isaiah speaks more about the coming messiah the coming messianic king the coming christ than any other book in the old testament and in fact this is just a fun fact before we even get <laughs> uh, start digging in the new testament quotes and alludes to and echoes Isaiah more than any other book of the Old Testament, right? So Isaiah is pivotal. It's, 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 it's extremely important. It's extremely big, 66 chapters. And we learn so much about uh, Christ and Jesus who, who, who comes and fulfills a lot of these Old Testament prophecies and what goes on. And so Isaiah is this book um, that is vastly important, 66 chapters. Uh, Isaiah's name literally means uh, Yahweh is salvation, right? Uh, Yahweh is salvation or salvation is of Yahweh or from Yahweh. Many um, ways to take that, the way his name is put uh, in Hebrew. Um, but he's prophesying in the 8th century, right? And he's prophesying particularly to the southern kingdom of Judah and Jerusalem. And he has this message of both judgment and salvation right and so uh many scholars have broken up the book first uh 39 chapters <laughs> is primarily not all the way but primarily about judgment there's some uh instances of hope interspersed throughout but uh primarily about judgment and then the back half 40 to 66 is primarily about restoration hope new creation new exodus all those things we'll get to um yeah but there's so much here in the book of Isaiah, really dope book, really important book for understanding uh, your Bible uh, and especially the New Testament. So, uh, yeah, just diving right in uh, at the very beginning. You know, um, it tells us the historical situation that he's prophesying during the time of these few kings. Remember that the prophets kind of add commentary to what's actually going on in the book of First and Second Kings. Right. These prophets were emissaries to the kings and to the people uh, of God. And they are prophesying at this time. And notice what he says in verse two. I think this is very important. He says, listen, heavens and pay attention, earth for the Lord has spoken. Right. And so Isaiah is seeing this vision and he begins to prophesy. And we see the here that he is calling on the heavens and the earth here. Right. And they are witnesses of the wickedness of God's people. Now, where else was this language used? Deuteronomy. Right. Deuteronomy. Remember, the, the prophets are applying um, and contextualizing the uh, Mosaic covenant, the Deuteronomy covenant to their specific historical redemptive historical situation. Right. Also, this refrain of heavens and earth brackets the entire book. So the book begins calling on them as witnesses and ends with talking about how there will be a new heaven and a new earth at the end of time when Zion, when the world is recreated. So he calls on heaven and earth as witnesses. And one of the things that we will see is that all of the major themes, listen, in the book of Isaiah, 
are found in chapter one and in chapter six, right? Chapter one is kind of this heading, this prologue to the entire thing. And then chapter six is going to be this throne room scene, where, right? Where Isaiah sees the Lord, where he's caught up into the temple, into the throne room of God, and he sees God. But the main themes of the book, right? So if you're reading a book and you're somewhere lost, Come back to uh, chapter one and chapter six and you'll see some of the themes and how he's using those throughout the book. And they kind of set the tone for what he says. But he goes on. He's like, yo, the ox knows its owner and the donkey, uh, its master's feeding trough. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. God is furious, right? This is uh, oracles of judgment. God is furious. He basically compares the intelligence of his people and the understanding of his people to that of animals. Right. They are also compared to wayward children in the first chapter. They have abandoned the Lord. Right. They're spoken of as corrupt, evildoers, guilty of iniquity. Right. And they have broken the covenant. Right. They have abandoned God. Right. They have broken the covenant that God had established with them at Mount Sinai. That is clear here in the book of Isaiah. In verse four, God is referred to to the Holy One of Israel, right? He is referred to the Holy One of Israel all throughout this book. That's a that's something uh, you're going to see throughout the book. That's a major theme that God is holy. God is morally pure and perfect. God is also set apart in categorically and ontologically in his being. He is different from everything that exists. And God being called the Holy One of Israel, he's going to be called that 30 times, <laughs> 30 times in the book and he's called that 36 times in the old testament right and so this probably is the most important theme of the book of isaiah right so isaiah is going to go in holy one of israel this is the god who's who has isaiah prophesied to his people for their unholiness for their sinfulness right and so you see that contrast there but one of the things isaiah is going to speak on is like we've always said um the way that israel's Israel had rituals without true heart devotion to the Lord, right? He's going to bring that up in chapter one. He will say they are ethically and morally compared to Sodom and Gomorrah of Genesis chapter 19, wicked Sodom and Gomorrah that the Lord actually destroyed. And in verses 16 and 17, he gives nine imperatives, <laughs> nine imperatives uh, in a few verses, right? Wash yourselves, cleanse yourselves, remove evil deeds from my sight. Stop doing evil. Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Listen, our problem is not that God's requirements aren't clear. It's just often that his people are corrupt, right? God is super clear about what he requires of his people. And this internal change of heart that he wants was evidenced and seen in external acts of love, right? With the hands for their neighbors and the least of these in society. So God is absolutely clear, but Israel is corrupt. That's the problem. It's not that God was unclear, but it was that his people's hearts were far from him were corrupt and i love how at the end of this chapter he specifically turns to the rulers and talks about the way in which uh their economic gain right came at the expense of those on the margins and the shedding of innocent blood and god was not pleased god is not pleased with such things uh now and he wasn't pleased with such things then right and so you see how uh isaiah is just laying this out and he gives them the choice to repent, right? Obey or be devoured. There's no in between. And at the very end, he speaks of the flames uh, at the end of chapter one that will come and take over Jerusalem. He says this, the strong one will become tender and his work a spark 
both will burn together with no one to extinguish the flames. A major theme in this book as well is that Jerusalem, listen, needs to be renewed and purified and cleansed. And this will be done with fire, right? This will be done with fire. Jerusalem needs to be purified and cleansed so that it can be rebuilt, renewed, and a new creation could come about. And this will happen, right? This will take place through the exile, through the Babylonians. Um, before it can be renewed, it must be uh, purified, right? Isaiah chapter two comes and the heading from chapter one is repeated. This is from a vision that Isaiah saw, uh, reminding, reminding us that this revelation from God uh, came to him. Uh, and in verse four, uh, he begins to talk about oddly, uh, or in the first four verses, excuse me, he begins to talk about the last days. So he says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains and will be raised above the hills. All nations will stream to it and many peoples will come and say, come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us about his ways so that we may walk in his paths for instruction will go out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So remember, uh, 1 through 39 is primarily about judgment, but he intersperses uh, messages of hope within as well. So he speaks of the last days, right? And we've seen this all throughout the Old Testament. The Old Testament has this latter day outlook, this latter day expectation, this latter day focus. And this is a time when the Lord will bring his kingdom on earth through a Davidic king, an age of blessing, an age of peace will be ushered in. And here in this context, we see that that peace element, right, is present. Uh, however, the element of the Gentiles, listen, the Gentiles flocking to the mountain of the Lord is present as well. Israel won't just go present themselves to Jerusalem. All of the nations will as well. Right. Um, and so this was part of this yeah, future expectation that, yes, even the Gentiles, even the nations will be saved. Right. And he talks about the mountain of the Lord's temple, which is Zion in this particular time. Um, and Gentiles, listen, will obey the Torah. Right. Will obey the instruction. That's another word for Torah or the law. They will obey the Lord's instruction. And this has partially been fulfilled, right? Um, because the language of the New Testament uses is that the Gentiles have come in, right? Under Jesus Christ, the work of Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, Gentiles have come into the people of God and the obedience of faith have, has been brought about among the Gentiles, as Paul says in Romans chapter one, right? Um, but the way uh, th th this kind of section focus uh, uh, functions in this narrative is God is saying, hey, in this particular time, he's saying, yo, God, you know I mean, uh, God is saying, yo, house of Jacob, you have a choice, right? You have a choice to be in on what I'm going to do with my kingdom or not, <laughs> right? The ball is in your court. And what's amazing is that he follows up and says that he is going to judge them based on their pride, based on their false worship, worship of idols. And we will see this all throughout the prophets. God exalts the humble, but he humbles uh, those who exalt themselves. And he starts with his people he starts with israel right he starts with israel and he says don't wait too late to realize this chapter three isaiah three comes and he keeps letting his people know uh in the first seven verses and his main point uh is that everything that makes for a stable and content society right leaders in law and order the national figures people of influence etc God's judgment is going to come 
and disintegrate the order in society, right? It is going from top down elements of power and influence must be stewarded well in God's economy. He takes it serious. Look what he says in verse eight, for Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because they have spoken and acted against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. So he talks about this social breakdown that Israel is going to experience here and it has this spiritual origin, right? It has this spiritual origin. And the Lord goes on to say, yo, the Lord brings this charge against the elders and leaders of his people, right? You have devastated the vineyard. The plunder from the poor is in your houses. Why do you crush my people and grind the faces of the poor? This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. It's interesting that the prophets are going to come to this, these same feet, like sins over and over. And they're usually about justice, justice socially amongst God's people, justice and righteousness. It's not just cats missing their quiet time at night. It's not just cats, you know, um, missing church every now and then. No, no. God is saying cats are unjust they're oppressing taking advantage unlawful advantage of people with lower social status and people that are weaker in society right and this shows this text particularly shows that the leaders of judah judah were irresponsible that they were selfish right and the lord brings his case against them right and, and, and these people, the reason he does this is because they were the ones entrusted with the task of maintaining true justice in God's land, in God's kingdom. And yeah, their role was to defend the poor and the helpless people who, uh, for economic or social reasons, could not defend themselves against the powerful and they failed. And so you see the prophet uh, prosecuting uh, God's people here with very sharp language but with real language none the less Isaiah 4 comes and um yeah right on the heels once again of humiliation God gives a message of restoration look what he says in verse 2 um, on that day the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of Israel survivors, whoever remains in Zion and whoever is left in Jerusalem will be called holy. All in Jerusalem written in the book of the life in the book of life. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the blood guilt from the heart of Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of burning, then the Lord will create a cloud of smoke by day and a glowing flame of fire by night over the entire site of Mount Zion and over its assemblies. For there will be a canopy over all the glory and there will be a shelter for shade from the heat by day and a refuge and shelter from storm and rain in other words this branch of the lord <clears throat> language is going to be used throughout isaiah and it's basically a precursor pointing forward to the messiah right he is the branch of the lord that is going to rise up and be faithful and so isaiah is speaking about the future future right the coming of christ and the consummation of the kingdom when it comes in its fullness but he's also talking about to, to these people specifically the post-exile reality right and god says that some will be left in zion and they will be called holy and they will share they will share in god's holiness and they will be written listen in the book of life right they will be written in the book of life we will we will see this talked about a ton uh, by Jesus in the New Testament in the book of Revelation. And then it says, it actually says he will cleanse his people by the spirit, right? And there's so much going on here. Isaiah is so like skillful with words and poetic. 
um, and the way he uh, lays out his prophecy. Um, but we have to remember that the cleansing of Zion came about through fire, right? But here he talks about it by the spirit. So in other words, what he is saying is that the spirit is spoken of in relation to fire. And this is why John the Baptist, listen, in the New Testament, John the Baptist comes on the scene in the last days when the king king jesus comes in the new testament and he speaks of jesus he says no no i baptize you with water but the one who's coming after me baptizes you with the holy spirit and with fire right god what god does in the gospel what god does in the work of bringing his kingdom on earth in the work of the king king jesus he purifies a people for himself by the power of the spirit he purifies a people for himself, even in the midst of a simple people that live for themselves. Right. And in his presence, God is saying we will be with him and the fire and the cloud points back to the Exodus generation. And this points to judgment. Yes, but also salvation as well. Right. Two things that go th go together all throughout the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is prophesying to unjust people in judah and how god will bring his justice and judgment but god is also going to bring salvation god is going to purify the nation the city zion but he's going to purify a people for himself that that are changed at the heart level and that he uses to carry out his justice on the earth and thus advance his kingdom let's pray that we will be those kind of people who advance the kingdom of God in our day-to-day -day lives. Father, we ask for your grace. We ask for your mercy, Lord. We pray that you would give us um, the hearts that seek justice, uh, that love you and your kingdom, that, that, that push forward uh, in the spirit of the prophets and the spirit of King Jesus. Lord, we pray that we be just people, uh, even though we are just